if you've ever been in a bookstore and been to the self-help section, (laughs) you may notice that a lot of self-help is so cheesy. So many of the people who would benefit from it the most won't even look at it because it's, it just is so off-putting. So it's really important to me to make personal development accessible to a wider audience. Welcome to the first ever episode of Oh High Self. This is a podcast full of practical wisdom for you modern humans, where we dig into all things personal development and lifestyle design. I'm your host, Sandra Possing, life coach, speaker, entrepreneur. And this show is for you if you are a high achiever, you're ambitious, you're driven, you've got big dreams, but you also maybe sometimes find yourself feeling bored or uninspired, maybe stuck or frustrated. And if you want tips, tools, ideas, and inspiration to take you to the next level, then you've come to the right place. And let me just pause and tell you how I'm feeling right now, because I'm feeling all the feels. This show has been a long time coming. This is a very special moment for me, and I am also a beginner. So thank you for your support. I've been on a a lot of podcasts as a guest, but I've never been a host before. So this is a little bit vulnerable. I'm definitely out of my comfort zone. And I also feel like it's the most natural thing in the world. And I've been meaning to do this for a long time. So I'm super stoked that you're here. I'll tell you a little bit about my mission in general, and also really specifically with this podcast. It's really to help you get out of your own way and heal your relationship with yourself. And then to help you create an extraordinary life that you love. I do my best to walk my talk and really live my life as an example of what's possible. I try to do all the work that I talk about because the work works if you work it. I know that's kind of trite, but it is so completely true. Just to to give you an idea of what's coming in this episode, I actually want to give a shout out to my seventh grade geometry teacher, whose name I don't remember, but every day for the whole year, I'd walk into class and he would always say the same thing. He would say like, you know, sit down kids. Okay. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. And then I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to tell you what I told you. And I always really appreciated that because I think at least for my brain, it's helpful to know what's coming and then be in it and then get a little review. So I want to do the same thing for you today. This episode, episode number one is it's my origin story. You'll hear lots more about me and my life and my work and my story throughout the podcast. But just for today, I want to give you a little glimpse into who I am, what I'm all about, and really what this podcast is about and what you can expect from the show. I'm I'm big on setting expectations and being really clear and direct and honest in my communication. So I intend to do that here. And I'm also at the end of the show going to give you some homework. So that's also something I'll be doing throughout the show. So expect to be given homework and obviously it's optional, but if you want to take the wisdom that we're sharing on the show and apply it, then the homework is a great way to do that. A little bit about my story. This, I'm going to tell you about my geographical kind of background because it's very relevant for how I became a digital nomad and how that is such an important part of my identity. Some of you know me and you know my story. For those of you who don't know me, a big part of who I am and my roots is the fact that I was born in Scandinavia. So I was born in Sweden. I have a Danish mom and a Swedish dad. And my first five years were there. I moved to the States when I was five. And so I've kind of lived this life where my entire life, I've gone back and forth between Europe and the US. And in so many ways, I identify... It's funny, when I'm in the US, I feel very European. I feel very Scandinavian. And when I'm back in Scandinavia, I feel very American. So in a way, growing up, there was kind of like this always being an outsider vibe to it. But ultimately, I became 
really comfortable embracing that. And I kind of liked the idea of always being a little bit different. It helped me, you know, find the parts of me that were unique and, and have a different perspective. So moved to the States when I was five and I grew up and did all my education here in California. After high school, when everybody was running off to college, I decided to take a year off, which is interesting because that's so common in Europe, but it's not as common. I think it's becoming more common now and, and has over the years, but at least at the time it wasn't super common. Most of my classmates were going off to college and here I just like took off <laughs> for a year. The little sabbatical went back to Sweden. It was the first time I'd really lived with my dad as an adult. And I wanted to kind of cement that relationship because since I was five years old, I'd only been seeing him on vacation. So that was a really important year. And then after that year, I came back, went to UCLA and then moved up to San Francisco after college. My family has always been all over, right? So it's like I, when I was in California, I had family in Scandinavia. When I was in Scandinavia, I had family here. My mom and I moved to the States when I was five. So, and then I have step family in California. And so I kind of got used to missing or like knowing that I was always going to be far away from someone. So I remember at an early age, just deciding, you know what, I, I don't want to be in one place and be longing for the other. I don't want to be with this group of people and long for the other people and miss them. So I'm going to just really embrace where I am. And that I think was a good start to kind of just being in the present and really appreciating travel and appreciating getting to have this kind of dual lifestyle and dual identity, but also not kind of not longing for the one when I was with the other. I also, as a result of that traveling back and forth, realized pretty early on post-college when I started stumbling around and trying to figure out what the heck I wanted to be when I grew up, I realized that the standard kind of American dream that most folks were headed towards, which is kind of like, you know, corporate, climb the ladder, you get your two weeks of vacation, et cetera. And I realized like that was just not going to work for me. If I only had two weeks of vacation per year, I would probably spend those two weeks in Scandinavia visiting visiting my family. And like, I'm not going to not travel <laughs> other than that. So I realized early on, I was like, that's not going to work for, you, for me. The nine to five gig is probably not going to work for me. I'm, I'm most likely going to have to do something different. I had no idea what it would be at the time, but these roots and the traveling back and forth and growing up speaking two languages and all of that. I also had both, well, three parents, so my dad, my mom, and my stepdad. So the three parents that were my big influences were also all huge travelers. We grew up traveling. And so it was really important to me to continue that travel lifestyle and be able to see different cultures and experience different things. I majored in cultural anthropology in college too, just really kept that going. But once I started thinking about career Oh man, it was, that was a big part of my twenties was just the struggle around like, what the heck do I want to be when I grow up? And I saw so many people who just knew early on or they were well on their way, or they just took a job and they started climbing the ladder. And I was like, what the actual F? And so I started kind of finding little tidbits that helped me realize that there was something around like having freedom and being mobile. I started, I started calling it mobile world citizen, which was, I went to a workshop back in like 2007 or something where somebody used the phrase mobile world citizen. I was like, I don't even know what that means, but I want it. So I knew early on I needed freedom. I needed mobility. And there was something about like being a world citizen that really appealed. So I kind of claimed that early on, even though I had no idea what that would look like. And I had no idea what I wanted to be. I was just like, yes. These days, people call that being a digital nomad, which is an identity I very much have embraced now. But back at the time, I was calling it mobile world citizen. And so even just looking back into my early 20s post-college, I started to recognize that I had a huge core value around freedom. And that has become a theme that has continued on for really since then and very strong. It continues to be one of my highest values. So when I think about my career journey, and, and now these days, a lot of what I do is helping people figure out their career and helping find a path that's more in alignment with who they are. 
So I really appreciate my super random resume path when I look back on it now, but at the time it was incredibly frustrating. Post-college, I I mean, I really honestly kind of spent most of my 20s, like I, I think of it as like, I was just walking around San Francisco, bumping into buildings and trees being like, nope, it's not that. Nope, it's not that. I had no idea what I wanted to do. But what I did do was I tried a lot of things. I was willing to experiment. And in the process, I learned a lot about what I don't want. And I learned a lot about what doesn't work for me. And, but it was funny. I mean, back in the day when I haven't put together a resume in over a decade now, but back when I was putting together resumes and applying to jobs, I would look at this list. And I was like, this is so random. Who would hire me? It's all over the place. So just to give you a little glimpse, I won't go into the full history now, but some of my main chunks of my resume were, I worked in finance, which is hilarious to me now because that's like, I'm so not a finance person. And I think about people who are finance people and I'm just like, we're as such a different breed. I was also in what I would call like the least sexy part of the finance industry. It started with life insurance. And so I was selling life insurance, disability, took my series six, my series 63. I got like qualified to sell long-term care, disability and all this stuff. Like the things that to me are kind of the least sexy, but I stumbled into it. And luckily during that time, I also ended up with a really amazing mentor who was a CFP and I kind of, he just took me under his wing. And even though I didn't love the work at all, I really, I think thrived under his tutelage. And I learned a lot about being an entrepreneur. And I saw him running his own business. And I think without even realizing that's something I wanted, I looked up to it, I respected it. And I probably was gathering a lot of tidbits there. I also worked for several startups. I got recruited by just some friends in college. I had a lot of like nerdy computer friends and I just love being around really smart people who are doing innovative things and disrupting industries and technologies. So I joined a startup in college and then I joined another one after college. And being in that world, I think there was something that really drew me towards being around entrepreneurial people. This is before I realized I wanted to be one myself, but it was kind of like, I just was, yeah, I was helping people doing cool shit, basically. I also worked in the service industry a bunch, bartended for multiple years. And uh, the other thing I did was I was like the queen of side hustles. So all the things I didn't list on my resume, you know, on, oh, on my actual career resume, I had things like I worked in IT recruiting. I think that's the other main thing I'm missing. Yeah. So I had like some, you know, semi real jobs, but I never worked in a, I never worked in big corporate. I never worked for a company that was more than maybe 30 people at the time. That was the IT recruiting firm on the side hustle side, man, I did the most random things, which I actually look back on that side of, on that part of me. And I have so much respect for my 20, whatever self, most of my twenties, I was doing side hustles and I was, I was pretty darn creative. <laughs> like I did a lot of random stuff, but I actually appreciate all of it. Now I worked in the catering industry. I worked as a, a party promoter, at a club in college. I was a security guard one time at an EDM concert. I was a go-go dancer for a year. I've been a hair model in Italy. I was a personal assistant to a professor in college. I was a personal organizer to this family at some point in my twenties. I did so much random stuff, but what I learned from it is that I'll figure it out. I'm resourceful. And even though I was going through like an agonizing kind of existential crisis at the time of trying to figure out like, what the hell do I want to be as a career? And I had no idea. I was doing stuff. I was in action. I was experimenting and I was kind of popping all over the place. I was learning a lot about myself and what I didn't like. And I was learning, you know, that I could, no matter what happened, I knew I would figure it out. And I trusted myself to like always make ends meet. Eventually kind of everything came to a head. This is probably my late twenties, maybe 27, 28. I got to this point where I was like, okay, this whole bumming around San Francisco thing is not going to work for me forever. I really need to do 
I need to find a career that's meaningful and I haven't found it yet. So I'm like, my job right now is to figure out what my job is. So I, I just kind of gave myself this huge assignment. I was like, nothing else matters until I figure out what I want to be when I grow up. And so I started really soul searching intentionally instead of just hoping, hoping it would work out. I started grabbing people who seemed like they liked what they were doing and sitting them down, buying them coffee and being like, tell me everything. What's your story? What are you doing? How do you figure it out? So I kind of went into reporter mode and I did a bunch of research a lot online. During that same period, I started going to a boot camp class in San Francisco, outdoor fitness. And it was only maybe a couple of weeks or months of being a client there that the owner of the company was like, hey, you should come be a trainer with me. And I figured, hey, I can get paid to work out. That sounds pretty good. So I did that became a trainer, loved that. It was, it was close. I knew it wasn't quite it, but it was the beginning of something that felt like adjacent to what I'm doing now. And during that time, that's when the soul searching really ramped up. So I remember there were moments where this happened on a pretty regular basis. Like the typical thing would be say on a Monday, I would be sitting there and be like, okay, you know, I just, I need to just forget all this weird soul searching stuff. I just need to be reasonable go get a real job, you know, go to Salesforce or some court, some tech company, like everyone else in San Francisco, start at the bottom, climb my way up. I should do that. It's possible. Okay. That's going to be my plan. And the next day I'd be like, no, but you know, I'm an, I'm an artist. I'm a performer. And I would think back to when I lived in LA and I wanted to be an actor, a singer, a dancer. And I was like, you know, I can't give up on those dreams. And the next day I'd be like, you know what? I think I'm an entrepreneur. I love being around entrepreneurs. Maybe I should start my own thing, you know? But then I was like, but what, what would that be? I had no idea. And the next day I'd be like, I'm young and I'm free. I should travel while I can, you know, let me just drop everything and go travel the world for a year. Or, and then the next day I'd be like, you know, there's this executive MBA program in France called NCAD and it's like mostly internationals and that's what I should do. And then come Saturday, I'd be like crying on the bathtub floor, just so exhausted from all the back and forth and from all the not knowing and just kind of spinning around in circles. So it was a, on the one hand, it was a really important time. And on the other hand, it was really exhausting. But throughout it all, I kept searching. I kept sending people down. I kept researching. And I finally found the coaching world. Fitness, again, was a little bit of the catalyst to that because being in the in the fitness, the health and wellness world, there I got exposed to coaches, not just fitness coaches, but health coaches and life coaches and different kinds of coaches. And I started noticing a trend. I started noticing, okay, these people are helping people. So they seem really fulfilled. They love what they're doing. They also seem like they really like their life and they like their lifestyle. Like there's something here. They seem to kind of be you know, creating their own work schedule and stuff like that. So I started sitting down with other coaches and being like, tell me everything. And another little note about fitness. I'm so grateful for the seven or eight years I did that. It was an amazing experience. I met so many important people in my life, including Chris, who you'll hear so much more about. Chris is my husband. We've been together for 10 years. He'll be, I'm sure, a regular part of my story and my all the shenanigans and adventures that I'll weave in and out of these episodes. But I'm so grateful to the fitness chapter because that's where I met my soulmate. So anyway, I found coaching and I found this company called Well Coaches and it seemed like, okay, I've had to have this fitness background, Well Coaches, they teach people how to be health coaches. So, you know, I'll just leverage my experience and do that. I got through it, but it didn't quite feel right. It was more targeted toward people who were, had a science background, nutritionists, and I just I wasn't excited about helping people with like health conditions and things. And so I kept searching and then I found a company called CTI which is the Coactive Training Institute. And I signed up immediately. It took me a couple of months to actually really get it going because I kept kind of bailing. And I kept, I think it was like the third 
try that I actually started. I think I was really scared. I think it felt, it felt huge. It felt important. I think I was maybe aware that it might be the thing, but then I kind of kept, kept sabotaging and procrastinating. But once I finally got into the class, I remember the night before I was studying some of the, the materials we were given and I was sitting there going like, you know, what if it's not it? What if this is yet another false start where I try it and it's like, nope. But then I went anyway, I get to class and it was the coolest thing. I literally walked in the door and immediately I just, I knew I was home. And so I'm so grateful, so grateful to CTI because that was where I did all my coach training and later a bunch of leadership training. And it, it blew my mind. It was like, it was just a completely different way of, of being. And I can talk more about that later, but I found coaching. I knew I'd come home and then I basically haven't looked back since. And that was 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago now. When I originally learned, you know, when you're a kid and you're like, you find out what your name means. And Sandra came from Alexander, which means helper of mankind. I learned that at a really early age. And it always, it always landed. Like it always resonated that I was, you know, just a helper. I was the nice girl. I was always really, you know, thoughtful and concerned about other people, which also to a detriment because hashtag people pleasing and and all of that. But now when I look back at my very wobbly lopsided journey and my random ass resume and all the weird things that it took to, for me to finally find my home and coaching. Now, when I look back at it, I'm like, kind of, it just, it feels like destiny. It feels like it was meant to be because really that is, that's my work. My work is my mission. My work is my calling. I absolutely feel like I'm here to be a helper of mankind. And what's so cool about coaching and just being an entrepreneur in general is that my business can be an expression of who I am. It can be a container for me to not just share what I believe in and what I stand for, but also to live it and to guide others and to, it's like, I I got to build my business, not just around my most authentic self, but also around my lifestyle. There's a phrase that always really resonated with me, which is called being a lifestyle entrepreneur. And that was what one of my, I think my, one of my earliest business mentors always used to say, you know, build your business around your lifestyle, not the other way around. And I'm like, yes. So the whole nine to five, two weeks of vacation thing, which I knew wasn't going to work for me, being a lifestyle entrepreneur, I definitely get to make it work. Not that it, not that it's easy, but it's much more doable. So being location independent from the get-go was a way that, that I got to honor the values around freedom and also authenticity. When Chris and I got together, we also realized that we shared a lot of those values. And so that was something I've been so grateful for, for him, especially those of you who know him, you're like, yes, definitely. He is right there with me in terms of freedom and authenticity. And we've been kind of always doing our best to, to, to honor those values and to live by them. Another thing I love about coaching is that my, my brand is me. So I get to be basically the more authentic I am, the better and the more alignment I create in my own life, the better, because then that can, I can, I can model that for other people. I can show them what's possible. And that way I will, you know, the more I self-express myself as my most weird self, the more I will hopefully attract the people who resonate with that and who are drawn to it and probably inevitably repel the people who are not into it which is totally fine. And I love that. And I'm learning to embrace that more and more. So with coaching, I get to be a cheerleader, a teacher, a mentor, you know, kind of like a priest, a counselor, a personal witch, wingman, best friend, workout buddy, library, like a library of resources, really. So I get to play a lot of different roles in people's lives, which is so much fun. And one of the things I love about being a coach is there's no need to 
be perfect. There's no need to pretend like you've never had a challenge. I think a misconception for those not familiar with the coaching industry is that you have to be an expert and you know you can't ever have had any challenges in the area that you're supposed to be an expert in. And it's actually kind of the opposite. Any area that you've had a challenge in, especially if you've worked through it to the point where you've really extracted the lessons from it, is a, a great thing to help people with. So like I look at some of my own biggest challenges. And those are some of the ways that I help people the most now. So I think back and there's kind of three, three big themes. One of them was self-worth, one was career, and one was money. I help people with lots of things outside of those main three thing, three things, but those three were huge. Like my self-worth journey, I was like the good girl and the introvert and the people pleaser, perfectionist. And so many of the folks that I work with now people pleasers, perfectionists, good girls, introverts. They don't have to all be, but what that means is I just understand what it's like. I've been there. I've been through it. I have tools. I have so much compassion. And I also can provide a lot of hope because I'm like, Hey, I get it. I've been through it. You can get through it. This isn't like, this isn't a life sentence, (laughs) you know? And then on the career side, so many of the folks I work with are really confused and unclear on what they want. And they're, you know, they're doing whatever career they fell into or whatever they thought they should be doing. And I can help them find more passion, more purpose alignment because I've been through it. And I know what it feels like to feel that lost. And I also know what it feels like to be living on purpose and to have created so much alignment in my own career path now. And then money. Oh my gosh, I'm pretty sure we're going to have some serious money episodes later, but I was, I was a hot mess a such a hot mess. And money was probably one of my biggest stressors, biggest sources of shame and confusion and, and anxiety. And now money is quite possibly my favorite thing to talk about. It's an area where I feel very empowered and I've completely transformed my own habits around it, but more importantly, my own mindset around it. So it's something I love, love, love helping people with. Another cool thing is it's not just my own challenges. Like there's a saying in the industry where you say your, your, your mess is your message, which I really, really believe is one of the gifts of having gone through all those challenges and taking your mess and turning it into a message and helping people along the way. On the flip side, I also get to help people with all the things I'm passionate about. So the things I nerd out on the most, like the stuff that I study in my free time, and then I go down every rabbit hole and listen to every podcast and every book those are also things I can help people with. So my biggest ones are personal development, entrepreneurship, and manifestation. So obviously like my whole, my whole business is about personal development. So that's what I help people with, but also entrepreneurship. What I do when I'm not serving my clients is working on my business. So I get to constantly learn more about entrepreneurship, which helps me grow the business, scale the business, become more efficient, handle my team better, all of those things. And then manifestation is just like my, probably my little like secret place where I just hang out. I get the most excited, which I share with clients when they're open to it and when they're interested. But even if no one else was interested in it, I would be nerding out on it basically every day because there's nothing cooler than recognizing that you are always creating your own reality. And when you get into the driver's seat and do it on purpose, so much magic happens so much. So we'll talk a lot more about that in the future. But let's see a few other random fun things that you should probably know about me if you want to be along for this ride. You will learn that I'm very passionate about all things dance. And that's all I'm going to say for now. But if you're into dancing, any kind of dancing, I'm right there with you. It's probably my biggest source of joy. You'll find me late night dance partying with friends. You'll find me crying and dancing at, or crying and laughing at dance videos, like all the things, all the kinds of dance. Another thing is cats. 
I take neighborhood walks and I take photos of basically every cat that I see and send them to poor Chris. He's probably so sick of it. <laughs> like my kitty floofs are an obsession. People send me photos of their cats, like a constant, constant cat obsession. Those of you who know me know I'm definitely a fitness freak, crossfitter. I've been doing that for a long time. I used to be a runner. I'm into yoga, travel languages. So yeah, dancing cats, fitness, travel languages. If you like any of those things, I see you and this is the way. Also, if you like the Mandalorian, then you know what I'm talking about, but this is the way. You will definitely get to know my husband, Chris, as I mentioned, he's a, such a huge part of my life and such a huge supporter of this work. So he's been really crucial to my success so far. And yeah, I, I hope to share a lot of our adventures and shenanigans, and I hope that you fall in love with him too. So, okay. What is this podcast about? When I say that this podcast is about practical wisdom for modern humans. What I mean is I want you to actually apply the things that make sense for you. So I'm not just here to philosophize. I really want to give you tools that you can use and give you wisdom that's actionable. And when I say modern humans, I just mean, you know, people living in the modern world, like we've got so much random shit going on. And I want to speak to those who are just living a modern life in the modern world. I want this podcast to be your guide to what I would consider like the pretty magical worlds of personal development and lifestyle design. The reason I called this podcast Oh High Self is that this is all about introducing you to your most authentic self. Or maybe if, if, you've fall, if you knew who you were and you've fallen away from it, it's introducing you. It's like bringing you back home to your most authentic self, which sometimes looks like a journey of untangling conditioning and really like finding or creating or stepping into your true self or the next level self, whoever you're trying to become next. Also shout out to Chris who came up with the name. I had, I showed him, I had this list of potential names, probably like 90% of them were cheesy and awful because it's pretty hard to work in the self-help world and not fall into some like kind of cheesy names sometimes. And so I showed him like a couple different variations that were close to Ohi Self. And he was like, no, no. And then he said, what about Ohi Self? And we were like, ding, ding. So thanks for that, Christopher. Really, this podcast is a culmination of 10 years, hundreds of clients, and uh, all of the work that I've done with people and on myself. And I've realized it's just time to go bigger, time to distill it down to some simple, clear messages and share it with a bigger audience, help more people in a way, help more people than I can help just one-on-one -on -one with my coaching. This podcast is about simple but powerful concepts. I'm my clients will tell you I'm all about tools, 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 tools. I'm like, what are the frameworks? What are the mindset shifts? What are the tools? What are the communication techniques? Like, I really want you to have a tool belt and I will be inserting tools into them that you can use in your daily life. We're not just here to like sit around and chat about stuff. I want you to have things that are clear. And honestly, most of the most powerful tools are super simple. Sometimes they're like stupid simple and it's almost embarrassing. But if you actually use them, they can completely change your life. Like some of this stuff can change everything but we're not taught it in school. Most of our parents aren't equipped with it. And so I'm just like, we have to get more of these tools out to more people. And so I'm really, really excited because really for most of us, our conditioning, whatever we grew up with, whatever we've been exposed to, our influences and our wiring, our trauma, all, like all, all the stuff from our past is what's running the show until we recognize that we can run the show. We just have to get into the driver's seat and we have to have some tools to use to do it. So my intention is to really put like put all of us, myself included, back into the driver's seat of our lives. I want us to be able to take radical responsibility and recognize just how much we can create the change that we're seeking. And we can create sustainable change that will, you know, 
you, you, you will reap the rewards of the seeds that you plant now and for a long time going forward. Just a couple of examples of the types of topics we'll be talking about on this podcast. Confidence, authenticity, alignment, everything around goal setting, habits, success. I'm really obsessed with success, but especially like unconventional success, all the kind of mainstream paths to success. Most of them, A, didn't work, wouldn't work for me because of who I am and they wouldn't, or they don't work for a lot of the folks I work with. And so I love demonstrating and showing how to basically blaze your own trail and create success based on what success means to you, not the conventional meaning of success but create your own type of success in your own way on your own terms. We'll talk a lot about productivity, high performance, all things health and wellness, because I'm such a health and wellness fitness freak. So fitness, self-care, all of those things. My husband's a health coach and I have a lot of health coaches and other wellness people in my life. So I'll be bringing in different experts in those arenas. We'll talk about neuroscience and trauma. Those are two areas where I'm definitely not an expert. So I'll be bringing in people who are much more well-informed than I am in those areas, but I think they're incredibly important and very exciting because we're kind of at the beginning of a lot of new discoveries in those areas. We'll talk about positive psychology, gratitude, happiness, play, pleasure, joy, delight, relationships, communication, leadership, mindset, manifestation, and so much more. Okay, so here's what to expect from the show and from me. So when I start working with the private clients, we always design our alliance. Shout out to CTI who taught me that tool. This is just a way of setting expectations and being really transparent and intentional about the, the relationship, the container, the like the working relationship. So in this case, you know, it's not me and my client, it's me and you, the listener. So I want to be really clear about what you can expect from me. And then I also want to make some requests of you dear listener. So, and by the way, this is a tool you can use. Like I use it with my clients. I use it with Chris. I will use it maybe with a colleague if we're collaborating on something. And it's just a way to lay everything on the table and be like, here's like, here are my priorities. What are yours? What are expectations? Just be really clean and clear because when we do that up front, we avoid so many of the misunderstandings. We avoid assumptions and resentment and miscommunications. And then you can always be redesigning your alliance. You can kind of always open it back up and be like, Hey, I was thinking this, but now that's changed. (laughs) Let's reevaluate and let's adjust and go from there. So it's a really helpful tool. I think here are some of the things that you can expect from me and from this show. So it's really important to me to make personal development accessible to a wider audience. If you've ever been in a bookstore and been to the self-help section, (laughs) you may notice that a lot of self-help is so cheesy. I remember being at a leadership training 10 years ago, and we did some sort of exercise around life purpose. And I stood up and I, you know, we'd come up with like a phrase and and kind of what our purpose was. And I stood up and I tried to say mine and I couldn't even get through the tears because I felt so strongly. And I was like, I want to be someone who makes self-help not so cheesy so that more people get access to it. Because so many of the people who would benefit from it the most won't even look at it because it's, it just is so off-putting. It's cheesy. It's just like, too like raw, raw, motivational. Think back to those like motivational speakers from the eighties and nineties, like slick back hair and really like cheesy signs and stuff. I think we've turned off so many people with kind of like the, just the style of it, the vibe of it. And so I want to take, (laughs) I want to avoid those things and just present it in a way that's more digestible, more accessible to a wider audience, especially people who are new to it. So this podcast is also for you if you're like deep in the in the personal development world. And if you're like me and you can nerd out on it forever, I hope everyone will find something from it. And I'm especially hoping to reach people who are just new to personal development and will be more open to it being presented in this type of way. Also, some of the self-help stuff can be just a little too woo. I personally love the woo. I'm 
pretty spiritual and you'll hear more about that. But I recognize that the way it's presented, a lot of the woo stuff just doesn't land for folks. And so I want to present some things that I really believe in that are really exciting, but present them in a way that's just like less off-putting. So keeping it modern, keeping it simple. I intend to make it as fun as possible. You'll learn that about me too, that I'm all about fun and play and delight and getting weird and keeping things. I think the personal development journey and life in general can be so much more fun than we allow it to be. I also intend to keep it very practical. I'm the kind of person where I'm like, I don't need to understand all of the science behind something. I don't need to go super philosophical. I'm more like, does it work? Cool. How do I use it? Okay. How can I best teach it? So I'm going to be teaching you tools and I'm going to be straight up giving you homework. I'll be starting with the most foundational stuff and then building from there. So just like I do with my clients, depending on where they're at and their level of exposure to personal development, I really want to be like, here's the basics, here's the foundations. And even if you're one of the most advanced seekers out there, I I think we can always benefit from revisiting the basics and being like, yes, I know this intellectually, but am I actually applying it? Am I living it? I'll be bringing in guests, which I'm so excited about. We'll have guest interviews with different kinds of experts like authors and coaches, consultants, therapists, scientists, teachers, et cetera. I'll be bringing in some of my own clients to share their client success stories and probably also some unconventional success stories. So people I look up to who have created incredible success for themselves, but have done it in an unconventional way because I love challenging the status quo on like, this is how you create success. This is the only way. I also want to be really clear that I, I'm not an expert. I actually don't even like to be seen that way. So oftentimes if somebody tries to call me an expert, I'm like, eh. <laughs> I'm like no. I think of th- there are people who are really great at being experts. Like Chris is a great example. I think of it. He's so good at detail and really understanding the science behind something. And then being an educator and a teacher and like distilling the knowledge down to a level that's, that's appropriate for the audience. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to try to understand all of the knowledge. I'm more of a wisdom person than a knowledge person, which is why I love being a coach and why I love the title coach because it's a, it's very malleable. You can kind of, it can mean a lot of different things. So whereas I'll be bringing in people who are educators, teachers, and consultants, I am much more of like, I want to be your guide. I'm more coach and mentor. I want to help you. I want to present you with options and then help you find what works for you so that you can design your life on your terms Like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm just going to say, here's some options. And then you decide what works for you. So in terms of being a mentor, like I want to be, I'm going to be sharing a lot of my own, my own personal experience. We're going to get pretty vulnerable up in here. So there may be some TMI from time to time, but I do really want to share what's worked for me, my own struggles, my own ways that I've overcome things. And it's just know that it's all meant to be inspiration. It's not meant to be advice. I rarely ever give advice. I may give suggestions or like recommendations or options. Like I really see myself as a guide, a fellow student, like a partner in exploration, not necessarily an expert. I'm also very open to being wrong and I'm very open to looking like an idiot. And I'm fully embracing the fact that I probably will look like an idiot a lot of the time. I didn't used to be that way. That's It's been a work in progress and I've gotten a lot better. So I really value curiosity, open-mindedness, having a sense of awe. And my invitation for you as a listener is to take what resonates ignore the rest. If I say something that doesn't land for you, just ignore it and take what resonates and see if you can actually really apply it. So here are my, here are my requests from you as a listener. If you want to be on this journey and if you want to get the most out of it, I want to challenge you to give yourself the gift of personal development. Like I know I'm biased. I'm such a believer, but if you learn to put your oxygen mask on first, which is the most overused metaphor in the world, but it's also so appropriate. Like you have so much more to give when you take care of yourself first. And that's 
that's not just self-care in the physical health sense, but self-care in terms of mental wellness, emotional wellness, spiritual wellness, having tools to move you forward with your personal goals and all of that. So think of this podcast as a, a, a path to personal development. And I would love for you to do whatever you need to do to prioritize your own well-being. Like if you walk away starting to put yourself first a little bit more and recognizing that that's not selfish, it's actually the best gift you can give to anyone in your world too, especially family and loved ones, take care of you so that you can show up better for them. You know, you'll show up as a better parent, partner, colleague, boss, whatever roles and identities you have embraced, you'll be better at those if you take care of yourself first. Definitely give yourself that gift. And I also want to encourage you to dare to be honest with yourself. Hopefully a lot of what I say on the show will will challenge some of your beliefs, will present you with other perspectives. And I invite you to be honest, like brutally honest with yourself and also vulnerable and curious and to challenge your beliefs, your stories, and be open to the ones that are maybe more empowering or more helpful. Another huge request, especially in the beginning, is to help me share the love. So sending episodes to people you care about, following, rating, reviewing, screenshot, posting, tagging, all those things make such a huge difference. Um, I also would love to be introduced to potential guests. Um, or if you have specific requests or ideas about how I can best support you or what topics you would love to hear about, just please let me know. I'm here and I, I look forward to your feedback. So I want to leave you with some homework. This homework, I was trying to think of what is like one of the most simple tools that we can start with. And this is a great example. So it's very, very simple. The challenge is to actually use it. The tool is called Hand on Harding. I'm sure there are other names for it. I certainly didn't make this up, but I've just always called it Hand on Harding because you're literally putting your hand on your heart. How do you do it? You put your hand on your heart. Maybe you close your eyes and you take a breath and you pause. And that's it. So you can use this in so many different scenarios. A great way to use it is just anytime you feel like that feeling of stress, overwhelm, a little moment of like panic or freak out. Most of us are so quick to just respond instinctively. And for anyone who's interested in or on some path to mindfulness, you know that a huge part of that is just learning to pause and create a little space before you react. So you you're a little bit more in control. You're a little bit more mindfully responding rather than reacting defensively or instinctively. So putting your hand on your heart, closing your eyes, taking your breath, that's it. Maybe even do that right now if you're not driving. Just one breath sometimes is all it takes. I remember a client of mine in a, in a group mastermind that I had, she was saying that she went to her kid's class. This is like, I forget what age the kid was, like maybe kindergarten. And the teacher was like, so I look over at your kid in the middle of class today and she's standing there with her eyes closed and her hand on her heart. And I asked her what she was doing. And she was like, I'm hand on hearting. I'm calming myself down. So a simple tool like this, not only could work for you, but if you like, let's say if you're a parent and your kids see you doing it, they'll get curious. They'll try it, right? Share it with your friends, colleagues. It's so simple. Again, it's like almost embarrassingly stupid, simple, but it really does work if you work it. So my homework recommendation for you is to try hand on hearting, try it as often as you can, maybe just this week, and then see if you notice a difference. If you notice a difference, feel free to shoot me a DM on Instagram and let me know how it's working for you. I would love to hear. Okay. So I said, according to my seventh grade teacher, geometry teacher, that I would tell you what I was going to tell you, then I would tell you, then I would tell you what I told you. So I'm going to do that now. So here's a quick recap of what we covered in this episode. I welcomed you to this first ever episode and I shared my mission. I gave you a little bit my a little bit about my origin story, who I am, my business, my life. I told you what this podcast is about, personal development and lifestyle design and tools. 
And I shared what you can expect from me and what some of my requests are from you. So we essentially designed our alliance. And then I gave you some homework and I'm encouraging you to actually use it. Okay. So thank you so much for listening to episode one. Thank you for your support. As I start this journey, I'm like, I feel like a, you know, awkward baby giraffe on shaky legs, just kind of finding my ground. So thank you for supporting me while I'm a little baby podcaster. I'm excited to get better and better at this. To give you a little taste of what's coming in the next episode, I'm going to be sharing again about the tools. I'm going to be sharing one of my most favorite daily practices that I use with all of my clients that I've been doing myself for many years now. That's been a complete game changer. So in the meantime, practice hand on parting and then look forward to episode two, where we're going to share that daily practice. My requests, if you have a couple minutes, like right now, or as soon as you remember, like while we're launching and ramping up, your support is super, super helpful. It's especially important in the first few weeks. So if you can, I would love it if you could follow the show. Like the sub- subscribes and downloads are really, really big. It's any of the engagements we get on the platform. You can share it with a friend, just click the share button. And also if you're on social media, take a screenshot, post it, tag me. I'm at Sandra Possing on Instagram and all the other places. And again, I so appreciate your support. We'll see you in episode two.